Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths to effective ministry of the body of Christ. God in His wisdom has prepared and appointed each of us to a specific location in the church as a member of the body. You belong somewhere to some local congregation because you fit that body and you make it complete. And you are very, very important to that body. We're a body, we're, we're, we're many people. There's an order to what we do. And there's a purpose behind it because we want to be effective. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The exodus of the Israelites from Egypt has often been described as a period of wandering through the wilderness. But as it happened, the simple truth is God did in fact direct their steps to maintain order throughout their journey. And coming up, Pastor Xavier highlights many aspects of efficiency in the body of Christ we glean from today's study in the Old Testament book of Numbers, titled, God's Preparation of His People. Let's listen. The need for orderly function was for the efficiency, for it is estimated that the population was anywhere from two to three million people. Now, the order in which they broke camp is most interesting, particularly in view of the traditional acceptance for their emblems on their banners, because they were to camp according to their banners. And it's significant in relationship to the coming of Jesus Christ. The banner of Judah is traditionally accepted to be the lion, symbolic of king. Well, Jesus came as king of the Jews. The banner of Reuben is traditionally accepted to be the face of a man, symbolic of the incarnation of Jesus. It was the king of the Jews who came as a man. The third order of breaking a camp was from Ephraim, traditionally accepted as the ox, the banner, symbolic of the servant, Jesus, one who works. Jesus said, I came to do the work of the Father. The last one was Dan, and traditionally the banner was accepted as the eagle, symbolic of the Son of God. Jesus declared he was the Son of God, John 10, 33, Mark 14, 61 through 62. And so all of these types point to the person of Jesus Christ. It points to the instruction of God for His people. Notice also that each tribe was to see the tabernacle as the center and life source of Israel's existence. In the encampment, the tabernacle was to be in the center and the focus of their life, a nation dependent and encamped around their God. In chapter 1, Verse 53, it says that the Levites were to camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, lest the wrath of God would come upon them. And as we get in chapter 2 and 3, we see the, the locations of the other tribes, they're outside. So you might see this, an inner circle, the Ark of the Covenant, okay? An outer circle, the Levites. And then an outer circle is all the tribes. Concentric circles, like a bullseye. But at the heart of it was the Ark of the Covenant, God was to be the focus, the center of the national life in their encampment. But also in the journey, the tabernacle was also to be the center during the march. The tabernacle was between six tribes. Remember the first three went, and then the other followed, and then they broke camp. Three in front, three behind, followed by the sacred ark and the furnishings between six tribes in the front and six in the back. 
So you have it in, 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 in formation, again in the march, again, who is at the center? It's God. Now in their journey, the Lord had, uh, would lead them through a cloud and, and uh, signal to break camp by the cloud and went to set up camp by the cloud. And the duration would be up to Him, not them. You find this repeated over and over through the book of Numbers. God is the one who directed. God is the one who commanded. God is the one that ordered. Not Moses. In chapter 9, verse 15, he says, And on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. From the evening until the morning, it was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after the children of Israel would journey... And in place where the clouds settle, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. So the cloud move, they move. Clouds stay still, they camp. He says, at the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey. And at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the clouds stayed above the tabernacle, they remain in camp. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. So it was when the cloud was above the tabernacles. Listen, very, very specific, the information he gives us. A few days, according to the command of the Lord, and would remain in camp. According to the command of the Lord, they would journey. The next verse, in the middle. Whether by day or by night, whether the cloud was taken up, they would journey. It made no difference the length of time they would respond to the Lord. Yeah, oh, Lord, you know it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Come on, get serious. Hey, Lord's moving, let's go. Go. So often things happen and we feel that God is inconveniencing us. And yet what He does and what He leads, He leads and He does for our good. That we're on track with Him because He knows the journey. We've never been down this road before. Like that young man who enlisted in the military, he must first learn to walk in formation and under the command of those in authority over him. To understand the benefit of unity and oneness. And so once we've learned about warring, then we've got to learn about walking. We're a body, we're, we're, we're many people, then there's an order to what we do. How the body functions, we're going to get into that a little more. And there's a purpose behind it because we want to be effective. God in His wisdom has prepared and appointed each of us to a specific location in the church in two ways. These are absolute for everybody. Number one, to a specific local church as a member of the body. But you belong somewhere. Hebrews 10, 24-25 says that we are not to forsake the gathering of the saints as the manner of submissions, provoking one another to love and good works. God has not called you to go here, there, everywhere. Now, I presume that you live in some local residence. But you visit a lot of people, but you don't live at their houses, right? <laughs> well, the same thing with the church. And if your visits are longer than your stays in your own home, then you've got a problem. It's no different for the church. But we try to cover up with spiritual lies. And we make God a part of our lie. And we say, well, the Spirit led me. He leads me every Sunday. No, no, no. If you knew the Word of God, you know God doesn't lead like that. Number one, you are to be planted somewhere in some local body. Secondly, to a specific part of the body in the church, be it an eye, a foot, or an ear, you belong somewhere, to some lo 
local body, some local congregation, because you fit that body and you make it complete. You're an eye, you're an ear, you're a foot, you're a toe, or you're a nose, or whatever you are. And you are very, very important to that body. And when you're not there, the body suffers. And you be faithful to that calling. And you find that in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Secondly, God has placed each member of the body as it has pleased Him for two reasons. For two reasons. Number one, for coordinating unity. Let me read you 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Really down to 20. He says, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, uh, we have all been made partakers of the drink of one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not of the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not of the eye, am I not of the body, is therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were a hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in their body, just as what? It has pleased Him. You got problems where you, God has called you to do? Talk to God. If not, you'll look to man and you mess up the order that God has in store. And if they were all members, where would be the body? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. You belong to some local congregation and you belong to some part in that congregation. Because Christ is in you, the hope of glory. The second reason for God appointing severally as He will, is for competent efficiency of the whole body. Competent efficiency for the whole body. Ephesians 4.16 tells us that. Let me read you that real quick. It's very, very important scripture. Ephesians 4.16 says, speaking about each member, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. In other words, you supply a certain energy and efficiency to the rest of the members, and when you put them all together, you get 100% efficiency, the body of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, God places each member in relationship to the other members by the principle of authority and submission without any thought of inferiority or lording over one another, but for the purpose of serving one another. Be careful you don't bring that worldly model. You look at people and say, oh, well, those guys, they just choose whoever they want and they think they're... No, 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 no. That's the world. There's leaders, there's authority, there's submission. And all of us fit in, in bo on both sides. Sometimes you have authority, sometimes you're submitting. But be careful you don't think of it as a threatening thing. And remember, all authority and submission is based upon Scripture, not beyond Scripture, not in addition to Scripture, but to Scripture, subject to it. In Corinthians, again, chapter 12, let me read you something, verse 21 down. He says, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor or in our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to the parts which lack it, that 
there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. For if one member of the body uh, suffers, we all suffer. If one member is honored, we all are honored and rejoice. Now, you are the body of Christ and members of individually. There it is. We are interdependent. We need one another. I need you, you need me. We are interdependent. Secondly, we are interrelated. We affect one another. We are many members, one body. Never, ever forget that. Very important. Fourth and last, God is to be seen as the center, the source, and the life of the church as each member looks to Him, the head of the church, and the author and the finisher of their faith. Ephesians 5.24 and Hebrews 12.2. He is the head and He's the author and the finisher of my faith. No one else. And so when they were encamped around, they all looked to the center. That's the one that we are existing to. That's the one we depend on. He's the one we're accountable to, not man. And yet he used men as a channel of accountability. Do you understand it? But everything was according to God's revelation. The Bible is objective truth, not subjective truth. Learn the difference. Today you are being taught subjective truth. That means anybody can make anything to be true. Objective truth can be checked, can be verified, and it's absolute consistent all the way through. Subjective truth will change with your emotions, your circumstances, your situation, and culture and time. But not objective truth. You need objective truth. It is the anchor to your soul. And if you hang on to subjective truth, you will be like a ship just being carried by the current of the waters and the currents of the time, open to destruction. The preparation for walking. You see the importance of it? How are you doing? Are you part of the body? Are you in order? Are you agreeing with God or are you doing your own thing? Third and last, the preparation for working. Notice first the work of the Levite was divided among three families. Chapter 3, verse 18 says, the family of Gershom. Verse 19, the family of Koath. In verse 20 and 21, the family of Merai. Three families. The work was divided among three families. But also the work of the Levite was threefold. And you find that in chapter 3, verse uh, 5 all the way down to 10. We'll only read part of it. To serve Aaron, the high priest, and his sons, the priests, to serve the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle, and to do the work of the tabernacle. Let me read there. Chapter 3, 5. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tithe, the tribe of Levi, near, and present them before Aaron and the priest, and they may serve him. And they shall attend to the needs of the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting, to do the work of the tabernacle. Also, they shall attend to all the furnishings of tabernacles, the meetings, the needs of the children of Israel, and do the work of the tabernacle. He goes on, he says basically the same thing from there on to verse 9. There is their function. Now notice also the work of the Levi was imperative and evident by their location immediately around the tabernacle. It was imperative and evident by their immediate location around the tabernacle. They were the buffer stone between God and the people. The tribe of Gershom in chapter 3, verse 23, was on the west side behind the tabernacle. Notice verse 24. There was a leader. The leader was Elisasaph. How's that? The son of Lael. There's two names. Are you going to have some kids? Um, <laughs> in verse 24. 
Their duty include the tabernacle meeting, the coverings, and, and, and other things. And you find that in verse 25 and 27. Very specific. Now, they get themselves in trouble with Moses later on. And we're going to cover that. Because they thought that this was demeaning. Do you think it demeaning what God has called you to do? Maybe if you hand out bulletins, you pick up cigarette butts, clean toilets. Do you think that's demeaning for God? I hope not. The prophet says, despise not the day of small things. And there was a supervisor over this. Ithamar, chapter 4, verse 28, the son of Aaron. Look at the organization of God. Leaders, heads, supervisors, banners, trumpets to break the camp. The tribe of Koath on the south side, chapter 3, verse 29. The leader was Elisaphan, the son of Uziel, verse 30 of chapter 3. Their duties include the furnishings, chapter 3, verse 21. The ark, the table, the lampstand, the incense, the labor, the altar for burnt offerings. All the furnishings. Aaron and his sons were first to go in and cover that. You get that from chapter 4, verse 15 down to 20. We're not going to read it. But before the Kohathites came in, they could not look at the furnishings with their eyes lest they die. They could not touch them. You remember Uzzah when David went to get the ark and they put it on a cart and he was going to fall. He touched it. God killed him. And so Aaron and his sons would go in, cover it with blue and badger skin. Then the Kohathites would come in. They would not see it. They would, the poles were already in. They just pick it up and they carry it. Don't touch it. Hazardous to your health. <laughs> the tribe of Merai on the north side, chapter 3, verse 35. The leader was Zuriel, the son of Abihail. Their duties included the boards, the sockets, the pillars, the heavy stuff, chapter 3, verse 36 and 37. All this organization, man, this is boring. No, it isn't. You better pay attention to it. Their life depended on it. Every detail in the scriptures, your life depends on it. Look at it. Read it. Examine it. Meditate on it. How does this fit in my life? How does this represent obedience in my life? And then the man Moses and Aaron with his sons on the east side before the tabernacle gate they had the greatest privilege. Chapter 3, verse 38. Moreover, those who were camped before the tabernacle on the east, before the tabernacle of the meeting, was Moses, Aaron, and his sons, keeping charge of the sanctuary to keep the needs of the children of Israel. But the outsider who would come near was to be put to death. Keep the charge of the sanctuary to meet the needs of the children of Israel. Interesting. And you know, there was a requirement for age to enter the, the Levitical priesthood. Chapter 8, 24, the age of 25 to 30 was an apprenticeship. Five years training. And then from age 30 on, you entered your full service of ministry. Chapter 4, verse 3. And then at age 50, you would retire. Chapter 8, verse 25. That's not bad, huh? Now, once that young man who has enlisted in the military service understands the importance of walking in unity and cooperating, he can be efficient in the work that he will be ascribed to as part and parcel of the whole battalion or squad. He gets taught warring, walking, and then working. Interesting. The same with us. God has prepared the church for the work of ministry by providing certain men as a gift to the church to prepare and equip the saints like the Levites were to Aaron. Ephesians 4.11 says that God has given as a gift some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastor teachers 
They are the gifted men as a gift to the church for your benefit, to prepare you. God has prepared the work of the church with purpose in mind. And you get that in Ephesians 4, 12 down to 16. Let me give them to you in order. First, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 12. I am here to equip you to do ministry. I am not here to do ministry. I can do ministry. I will do ministry. I have done ministry. I will do ministry. But I'm not here to do primarily ministry. I'm here to pray, to teach, to instruct, to disciple, to oversee, and to equip you to do ministry. You are to do ministry. Very important. Secondly, for the maturity of each believer to measure to the full stature and the fullness in Christ. Verse 13, for you to mature, to be born again, to grow through your adolescence, to go to young adulthood, to become to a mature adult state. To say, you know, not only say, well, I've been 12 years in the Lord, but to say, I'm 12 years in the Lord. You understand the difference? There's teachers that have taught 25 years in the school system, but they've only taught 25 times every year. That's all they've done. They've taught the same thing 25 times. They've never grown. Neither have their children. Thirdly, for the protection of the young believer not to be tossed to and fro with every one of doctrine at the trickery of men which lie in wait to deceive, but rather speaking the truth in love for their growth in Christ. Verse 14 and 15 of Ephesians. If you don't know the Word of God, if you're not being grounded, you're a candidate for deception, you're going to be ripped off. You better have an anchor for your life because if that anchor is not the Word of God, you will drift away. Absolutely. The glitter and the glamour of the world, your sinful nature, catering to your passions, your desires, your emotions, they'll drift you away. But fourthly, for the full efficiency of every member, complementing and supplementing the efficiency of the entire body, causing growth and edification and love, verse 16. We already saw that. Everybody doing their share. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, you remember being as a kid and you guys are going to camp and you're, you're trying to get your little barbecue as kids and you're going to do this and that. You know, if you do it alone, it takes a lot of saving. But if you've got four buddies and you all go wash a car and you both put in 10 bucks, man, you've got all your stuff all at one time. Well, God has worked it in the body. We're not to go to the world for things. God's supposed to do it from within us. The world is tomorrow and say, man, those guys, look at They bought a building. They did this. They have missionaries here. They do this. They help the poor. They do all that. Where do they get all their money? Our God and through our lives. Obedience to Him. That's what it's about. All of us pulling together. There's no professionals here. There never will be. God has prepared each individual for the work, not only for designating place of the body, but for distributing gifts of the body by the grace and the faith according to God. Romans 12, 3-8. God has given you gifts. Are you operating them? Are you using them for the edification of the body of Christ? You have at least one gift. 1 Peter 4, 10. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. Many gifts. You have at least one for the edification of the body of Christ. What are you doing with it? You're not only called. You're enabled, you're equipped for the work. There is diversity of gifts, different administrations, different activities, but the same Lord, the same Spirit, the same God that works in all. Romans 12, 4 through 7. The distribution of God is severally as He wills. Romans 12, 8 through 11. God called me to be a pastor. I didn't call myself. You have a problem with what God has called you to be, then you go to God. But you go to God. That's the only way you can know what He's called you, what He's equipped you to do. Operate the gifts that God has given to you. Preparation for working. God has prepared each of us in these three ways. For His purpose, for His glory. Won't you obey Him and see what He can do through you? The preparation for warring. Failure to prepare for warring will hinder your walk and mine. 
The preparation for walking. Failure to prepare for walking will hinder my work for God. The preparation for working. Failure to prepare for working will hinder my efficiency for the church. How are you doing where you go to church? Are you an asset or a liability? I hope you're an asset. May God give us wisdom. Pastor Xavier Reese, challenging all followers of God in the body of Christ to maintain the sense of order God had for the Israelites of the book of Numbers on today's Simple Truths. And just before we close, let me take these last moments to mention that copies of today's study, simply titled, God's Preparation of His People, are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply, God's Preparation of His People, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com